all that said, if you don't know who I am, I'm David Ivey, one of the pastors here at Polaris. And uh, before we get into our message, we need to share something very important. I am a Star Wars nerd. Now, I don't say that with any, like, you know, true, you know, d- hurt, because I love the Star Wars franchise. Some people love it so much they hate it now, which I don't get. Um, but I absolutely love the franchise. And there's multiple reasons why I like it. Um, you know, whether it's the space battles, uh, the, the, the battle of good and evil, uh, you know, lightsabers. Who among us hasn't taken the Christmas paper wrapping tube and went to battle with their sibling, right? Uh, who among us has 15 different variations of lightsabers at home? That one's for me. Uh, but that's great. I, just, I love the franchise. And I, what I love and what most people do love about the Star Wars franchise is that the stories pull you in. There's all kinds of different stories, but to me, the one that I really relate with, the one that I really enjoy, is the story of the Chosen One, Anakin Skywalker. Now, my roommate and I in college would spend hours debating who was the Chosen One. Was it Luke or was it Anakin? By no argument, it's Anakin, but I digress. Now my nerd flag is flying high. I welcome again to Polaris. (laughs) But all jokes aside, we all love that chosen one story. That's why, you know, books throughout time have been written by movies, have that as a a focal point. Uh, The Harry Potter series is all about the chosen one. Uh, You can go to, you know, Neo from The Matrix. It's the chosen one. The Highlander, there can only be one Anyone else watch The Highlander? That was a great movie. In the back, love it. But in general, we love that kind of story. Jesus is the OG chosen one story. Like, he is the, the chosen one story that started it all. And like every good chosen one... They have to have a prophecy. Now, Jesus had many prophecies about him, but specifically, here's one. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For the greatness of his government... And peace, there will be no end. Like I said, every good chosen one story has a prophecy, and I love it. Now, this happens to be a Christmas type thing, and if you know me, that's even more better. But I love that our chosen one, the ultimate chosen one, Jesus, then decides when he comes to earth to start choosing other people to become chosen ones as well. Throughout the past couple of months, we've been looking at the life of Peter, and we've been diving into all kinds of parts of his life. And, and I love that there's a part in Scripture that we've been reading through uh, out this series in Matthew 16 that shows Jesus choosing Peter. It says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. I love that the chosen one chooses us. And we're going to dive deep into that today. What does it mean to be a chosen one, and why does it matter in our lives today? But before we get into Peter's chosen one story, to me, I think 
Scripture always has more impact on my life when I know historical context. Uh, to me, historical context is everything. Uh, to know what the authors go through or went through or wrestled with uh, when they wrote Scripture, to me, has always been fascinating. And in fact, I, it always enhances what I read. So kind of give you a background on what Peter is going through when he writes First and Second Peter. So in the midst of him writing these, these letters, the Roman Empire is in full force. Now, the Roman Empire is very interesting because it's very much different than what the Christian uh, like faith would be. There's a lot of paganism within the Roman Empire. But, you know, even though the Roman Empire was growing and had power, for the early part of it, they kind of turned a blind eye to other religions. They just kind of let things kind of happen. As long as you paid your taxes and you didn't, like, try to overthrow the government, most of the time the Roman Empire would let you do your thing. And that was all great until it wasn't. There was a huge fire on July 19th, AD 64, and it ripped through Rome. It, it destroyed buildings and property, and it just kept on growing. And all of a sudden, it kind of, it died down after a couple days, and everyone like felt, okay, it, the worst is over, and then it kicked back into gear. And it, it burned for another three days. And the Roman Empire had to do something about it. You know, for the most part, the Roman Empire chose to, you know, use scapegoats to figure it out. Now, some people blamed the, the empire. Some people blamed Nero, who was the emperor at the time himself. But Nero had a really good built-in scapegoat. He had the Christians. And the reason why it was a good scapegoat for Nero was because the Christians were very new in the, in the idea of a faith. And some of the things they did did not make sense to an outsider. And so because they were, it was kind of weird for people who didn't know what Christianity was all about, they, he, he used them as that scapegoat. And because of that, Christians were hunted. They were crucified. They went through some of the most barbaric tortures. Like there, there's stories in history of them, you know, this is a little, little graphic. They would take the bodies of Christians and dip them in oil and use their bodies as lights. That's how, how far he went. And in the midst of this chaos, you have Peter. Peter, a man who God said, I'm going to build a church on your shoulders and you know, the gates of Hades will not overcome it, watching the people that he was trying to minister to being hunted and crucified and tortured. And about three years after the fire, Peter writes this passage in 1 Peter. And we're going to really focus on this the rest of our time. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. You got to think that 
Peter really had a good connection to what God was telling him in the midst of all the chaos surrounding the Roman Empire when he wrote it. But we can could, we could take a lot from what Peter's saying here. Specifically, to start off with what Peter isn't saying. See, growing up in the church that I grew up in, there are people who, who take this scripture and use it as almost like a springboard to feeling like they were elite. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. And it always bugged me because I'm like, yeah, but you're also a human being. There's a lot of bad things. What Peter isn't saying here, Peter isn't saying that being a chosen one or a chosen people means that you're any role truly special than anyone else. Peter's not saying that because you're a chosen people, you are now a part of the religious elite and you can look down on people who aren't chosen. Peter isn't saying because you're a chosen person doesn't mean you can treat others that you don't think are chosen to be a part of it. Peter always connects God and us. Without the God factor, we're not chosen. Because who chose us? Jesus. And so what I love the fact that what, what Peter is saying here is, says, listen, being a chosen person is just being able to show people who God is. Being able to reveal who God is in other people's lives. That's what happens when God's asked you to be a chosen one. And here's the great, great, amazing thing. We all get to be a part of that chosen one group. There isn't just a couple of us. We get the honor and the privilege to revealing God to other people. But it kind of starts with ourselves. You know, even though if we're here at church and we, we listen to you know, myself or Alex or anyone who, who's, who's speaking about Scripture, that's great. But there's more to it. And we've been talking a lot about that over the past couple weeks, saying that this faith thing needs to be outside the walls of a building. And so the question I have for you this morning is, how has God revealed himself to you? Is God continuing to reveal himself to you? See, I think he reveals himself in all kinds of different ways. One of my favorite ways is God reveals himself in nature. I love getting out and going for hikes. And, and you know, I don't maybe look like a hiker, but I do enjoy going up, you know, we call them mountains here. They're big hills. Uh, but I, I like going out and just seeing his creation. Uh, one of the things that was cool this week with these storms that kind of come in and out, it, almost like tropical storms, is just kind of sitting and watching the thunder and lightning roll in. Man, that's God's creation. And that's what's amazing about this planet, is that God created it. He created it so perfect. Think about you know, the, the way the earth is formed, the way that it's the, the perfect distance from the, between the sun and us, and it's at the perfect angle. Everything is picture perfectly created. If one thing messes up, this thing goes away. I love God's creation. That's why in Psalm, uh, it says this, Psalm chapter 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. I mean, think about it. God's creation is revealing knowledge to you. And what ha has happened in our generation uh, is that we've allowed scientific data to remove the wonder of God. 
I think science is great. I think science shows us a lot of cool things, but for some of us, remove that wonderfulness. And yet, when we go on top of a real mountain, our, bre- our breaths are taken away. And yet, when we see something so amazing that our brains can't comprehend it, we are at a loss of words. That is God's creation. God reveals himself in his creation all the time. And he's choosing you to see that amazing creation and feel that wondrous joy that comes from it and then share it with others. Maybe for you that means going out for an actual walk around a neighborhood with with the neighbor. Maybe you know them well, maybe you don't. But walk around and just enjoy God's creation. This is, this is Ohio, so we got like six weeks left. But enjoy the six weeks. But even then, when the snow does come, and I'm, I'm sorry I said the word, um, there's beauty to it. There's just, God is in it. Maybe for you that means going in one of the metro parks. We have these wonderful metro parks in this area. Ride on a bike, invite someone with you. Enjoy God's creation with them. Because being a chosen one means that we get to reveal God to others. What better way than the thing he created for us to live in? Another way that God reveals himself to us is his word. God's word is amazing. I love scripture. And that's because, not just because I'm a pastor, because I just really love what he has to say in scripture. And to me, it reveals so much about who God is and what he is about. In fact, this is what John says in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. I mean, the Word of God has been here since the beginning. It's, it's, it's powerful. You know, throughout history, we've used oral translation or written word to, to show the, the amazing things that God has done. God's followers, his disciples, felt so compelled to write his history down. One of the early questions I had in my ministry when I started with our, our, our youth ministry, they, one of the kids looked at me and said, well, how do you know if, if you're hearing the voice of God, the voice of Satan? And I said, well, that's a very good question. And one of the big, huge factor to knowing which is which is knowing what's in Scripture. If you don't know the Word of God, it's so easily manipulated. If you don't know what the Word of God's about, we are at a loss. God has chosen you to reveal God to others through His Word. Not, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying you need to go to work or go to your community and, and, and get on a soapbox and start preaching. But know what the scriptures say. Because within those words are freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from our, our addictions. Uh, within those words are joy, unspeakable joy, joy that will move mountains. Within those words are stories of men and women who completely screw up most of their life, and yet God comes into their life and changes everything about them. And that's something to hold dear to. That's something to hold on to. That's something to share with others. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Because it's something that will move mountains. And I, I shared this with our youth uh, group this past Wednesday. One of the most fascinating things I find about Scripture is that when you read about the people uh, that Scripture's about, it was so powerful and so life-changing, they died for it. Now, we just talked about Nero going after Christians. I mean, a lot of the disciples were martyred. A lot of people to this day, maybe not in the United States, but there are people across this world they have died for the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's that powerful. I encourage you. Read it. Memorize some of it. Put it here. And we talked about that last week. We, we said, renew your mind, put it to your heart, and go into your actions. It's the same thing. God also reveals himself in relationships. For many of us, relationships are everything. That's what made this past year and a half so hard. Past year and a half of, of being on lockdowns, being away from family and friends, we, it was a struggle because we didn't have those friendships. We didn't have those relationships. And if we had those relationships, some of them were strained. And, and having a relationship at a distance, and if anyone who's ever had like a romantic relationship at a distance, you know how hard that is. Having a year plus of having a you know, distance relationship has been very difficult. But God reveals himself through relationships. Even so much more that he does when it's between us and him. See, this, this faith thing, this, this Christianity thing, was never meant to be something that's a God you know, from on high and looking down. It's always been a friendship with Jesus. See, if you don't see your relationship or your, your Christianity as a relationship or friendship with Jesus, you're, 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 you're selling yourself short. Because Christianity has become a box you check. Christianity has become something you do on a Sunday. But when you follow Jesus, when that relationship kicks in, man, it changes. I can guarantee you if I, if I could see you well, I could probably point out people who can tell you right now that because of the relationship with Jesus, they are not the same anymore. They can tell you stories of the darkest times of their life, and the only hope of light was that friendship. They can tell you stories of being lonely and feeling so isolated that they can yell in a crowded room and no one would hear them, and yet they knew that relationship with Jesus got them through. That is what Christianity is about. That's what God's about. That's what Jesus is about. And as a chosen people, we have the amazing opportunity to reveal that relationship with others. Because I guarantee you this, I guarantee you have coworkers and neighbors, you have family members and friends who see church as a place to go to on a once, once a day or once a week. That's it. You can show them it's so much different. You can show them, no, that's not the case. You can show them that this Jesus thing it's all the time. See, one of the, the analogies I love to make is, is, you know, we all have our best friend. And for some of us, it's our spouse. Like me, my wife is my best friend, my BFF forever. But if I only talk to my wife one hour, once a week, we'd be in trouble. Well, I'd be in trouble. Because she won't let that happen. Anyways, but seriously, if your relationship with God is an hour a week, you're missing out on the relationship. Spending that time with him, 
you know, praying. And where he, does, he doesn't have to be some production either. It can just be a drive to work and, and, and listening to, you know, something that, you know, lifts your heart up towards him. It could be five minutes a day reading a small devotional book. It could be anything just to take a step to be with him once a day. And you start to do that, it really changes your faith and it changes just your life in general. I find myself more happy. Uh, I find myself able to face more adversity when my relationship with Jesus is strong. We are a chosen people. We get the honor of revealing God to others. I want to read that first Peter verse one more time. I want to give you a couple action steps before we wrap up today. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful life. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We have the honor of being that chosen people. So what does that look like for you in 2021? When social media is everywhere and you have busyness pulling you every which way. The first thing, the first action step, is just to accept that Jesus is the chosen one, the actual chosen one. Know that he is who he said he is. He came to this earth, he died for your sins. One day he's returning to come take you home. And some of us, that's the first huge step. On top of that, once you accept it, understand that now that you've accepted it, you have a job to do, to bring others to the cross. That's an awesome thing. Christianity is never meant to be a passive experience. Christianity is not about sitting on your, your runs in a, in a pew. It's about going out and doing something and doing something powerful for, the, for his cross. And that powerful thing could just be in your community. It doesn't mean it's, you know, you're going to do something worldwide. Some of you may. But some of us, our, our mission field is right here at home, in your office, at your school, wherever you may be. So some of us, it's accepting that Jesus is the chosen one and then living our lives that way. And then start to reveal God to yourself and others. For some of you, it means go for a walk. Bring your spouse. I wanna, I, my wife and I have this problem. She likes to walk faster than I. I am more of a grazer, and she is more of a, she calls it walking. It's like a jog. And so for years, I've been like, come on, just join me. And she's like, no, you just join me. And so we kind of met in the middle, and now my son's like, now he has to run after us. It's beautiful to go, to go somewhere with your best friend, see God's creation. I challenge you to do that. I challenge you, don't, don't waste the beauty of the summer. Don't waste a beautiful evening to maybe have a fire and invite your, your friends over, people maybe you haven't seen or talked to in a couple of, of, of weeks or even over a year. God's there. You don't even have to talk about God in the midst of that. You just enjoy his, his, his creation. Reveal God in his word. I mean, I know there are days that I struggle with making sure that I am in, in reading the word, not just for my job, 
but they actually spend that time. For some of that means making it a priority, setting that alarm five extra minutes. Maybe don't go on social media tonight. Spend that time instead of scrolling through whatever those pictures of that person you haven't seen since 1995, pull your Bible out and and spend time in the Word. I mean, his, his Word is so powerful, so effective, so life-changing, and then share it with someone. And I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, go preach. I'm saying share the lessons you've learned with people in your, at your job or in your life. Reveal God in relationships. First, work on your own with him, because that is such a big deal. Working, making God a friend and not just someone from a you know, distance Work on that. Grow that friendship. Continue, you know, constantly find ways to bring him in. And then share that truth with someone else. Because I guarantee you, you have people in your life that still see God as a statue and not as a living, active, powerful God. And lastly, and this could be one of the more important steps, do something with it. Serve somewhere. I, you know, we, we're talking about going to two services you know, post-Labor Day. And I, I, I'm excited for that. We can't do that without you. There, there are children's ministries that are in desperate need of someone to care for children. You know what really grows your faith? Serve somebody. You want to you take the next step? Serve someone. Have a little kid look you in the eye and go, why Jesus? And you're able to sit there and tell them why he is an amazing God who is a life-changing source, who will always be there, always care for you, love you. And having those conversations with children and peers, man, those are life-changing. It puts your faith in perspective. It makes you have to figure out what you believe. Because for a lot of us, it's just, yeah, I believe this. But what do you believe? The life-changing the peace of God is right here for us. Let's share it with others. Find that cause. And maybe it's not children. Maybe some of you aren't children people. Well, that's fine. Find that cause and pour into it. Pour in it like your life depended on it because the disciples, it did. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And that only happens because of Jesus. And when he reveals that to you, you have the honor of revealing it to others. Let's pray. Father God, I ask you to reveal you to us in so many ways. God, let us not hold that back, but spread it as far as we can. When you became the, the, the chosen one into this whole universe, you invited us to be a part of that journey. Let us not miss out on those opportunities. Let us not go another day without seeing you in creation. Let's not go another day without you know, f- f- pulling you in through scripture. Let's not go another day without building that friendship with you and sharing it with everyone. We pray this in your name. Amen.